Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy here with my first cup of coffee, mm. which is inadequate. I didn't have quite enough soy milk for the correct balance today. And then I'm always torn. Should I do like some soy milk and then add in almond milk to make it uh, the correct proportion and have the soy almond milk combination? Or should I just punt on the soy milk, which means what, like just drink it cold or throw it away and use only almond milk, which I don't really love as much. It's a, um, it's a very difficult life that I lead full of upsetting decisions. You guys just have no idea. <laughs> Today is Friday, February 15th, day after Valentine's. Hope you all survived, survived slash enjoyed. Uh, David brought home for us cupcakes from the Chocolate Maven, uh, which is a Santa Fe institution. Oh, they have such good stuff. Uh, he brought home four cupcakes, two strawberry and two raspberry. And we ate the strawberry ones last night before I thought to take a picture of them. So that's a photo of the raspberry one that I took this morning. I'll save those for today. Um, I declared that I was going to eat my cupcake early. One of the great joys and privileges of being an adult. Uh, so instead of when we sat down at like cocktail hour uh, around five o'clock, we uh, ate our cupcakes then. It's also a prudent measure, which is the sign of being an older adult, that I knew that if I ate my sugary chocolatey cupcake after dinner uh, too close to bedtime, then it would keep me awake. Uh <laughs> Which and it will David too, so that was a preemptive strike to have dinner before have dessert before dinner, um, which was really quite delightful because I wasn't too in, too full to enjoy it. That was great, and then had a light dinner, and then the uh, by then the chocolate it kind of processed out of my system. Uh, David doesn't always sleep well, and in fact last night he. Uh, Jackson comes around two in the morning to wake him up to feed him, which I've tried to get David not to do. Never in their lives before this have the cats gotten fed wet food in the middle of the night. Um, no cat I've had before in my life, <coughs> excuse me, has had, I get choked up thinking about it, um, has had gotten special wet food in the middle of the night. It used to be they only got wet food in the morning and then they get dry food ad lib. Um, and now they want it evening too. And then because David often wakes up in the middle of the night and is awake for a couple hours, he'll feed them. And I've tried to get David not to do this. It's like you've trained the cats to do this. And, and it's funny because even though... He knows that, I mean, I, I don't get mean about it. I suppose if I got really put my foot down and said, absolutely don't do this, he wouldn't. But, um, you know, he's such a nurturing person. He loves to feed them. And it makes him happy to have, like, their little middle-of-the-night feeding. And now the cats are totally into it. They think this is awesome. Get fed at 
two in the morning. Uh, you know, so I've just tried to adjust their portions and neither one is obese. So I figured it's okay. But it makes them all happy. But the downside of this is that Jackson now feels very entitled to the 2 a.m. snack. And if David is sleeping, he'll come and wake him up. And so last night, uh, I woke up because Jackson went across my pillow, heading over towards David to wake him up. And so I grabbed Jackson and pulled him back and got out of bed because I'm nearer the door and tossed him out of the bedroom and shut the door. And David never woke up, but then I realized I felt moisture on my chin, and I realized that Jackson's back claw had grazed my lower lip as he was coming out or coming across me. I didn't really feel it. I felt him step on my face as I grabbed him, but he's usually very careful with his claws, so I think it was just because he was startled and scrambling for purpose. But I never even fully woke up because I was sleeping really hard. But I have Kleenexes there next to the bed, and so I, like, put Kleenexes in my mouth and felt like I was salivating. And when I woke up this morning, I had about five Kleenexes with all kinds of blood. (laughs) And then the blood had dried on my neck. And sorry if that grosses you out, but it was kind of funny. It was like I looked like I'd been attacked, which essentially I was attacked in my sleep by a wild animal. So all of these considerations we go to to uh, ensure a good night's sleep. So I soaked off the tissue this morning and it started bleeding again a little bit. So I had to, now I've got a little bit of cotton on there and that seems to be clogging it fine. But I do look a little um, bruised, as it were. So... That was our Valentine evening. We had the um, cupcakes and we watched Game of Thrones, which isn't romantic in content, but is in that we both enjoy the show and discussing it. On our rewatch, we are now up through season six, about halfway through season six. So then we will have season seven and then we will have to wait for season eight, which is those of you who know, numerically, um, season seven was had half as many episodes as all the previous seasons, and so does season eight. So really, season seven and season eight are one season that they divided in half and then, like, delayed by two years. We've been waiting a very long time for season eight, just as everybody has been waiting a very long time for George's book. Uh, fine. Uh, the next book in the series. And in fact, on IMDb, the trivia for this season, for season six of Game of Thrones, it started in like season four. Season five got worse. And now season six, the trivia is terrible because there's like 20 or 30 rows of, in the books, this hasn't happened. Or in this in the books, this never happened. Or this character didn't exist. Um or this person is still alive. <laughs> That's always a good one. And I start skimming him, um, partly partly because it's distracting, um, and and partly because it's it's irrelevant. It doesn't really. Every once in a while, there's something that's kind of interesting, saying, "Oh well, you know, this didn't happen in the books because you know these things went the other way." But at this point, because the so showrunners 
and the timeline of the show have so far eclipsed where George was, um, where he has last published the book. And apparently there's been like some little leaked chapters or featured chapters of that sort of thing. So people are guessing what's going on. But, um, you know, in the books, there are people who are still alive, um, kind of hanging out who have gone on to do interesting things in the show and perhaps died off or are doing things. Um, I know that it's been a great concern all along that um, Sansa took over a character named Jane Poole's uh, storyline, Sansa Stark, because the books start with the Stark children. And so Sansa Stark um, in the books apparently has been parked at the Vale and at this, um, you know, one place, we'll just say, you know, for those of you who don't know, she's been parked at this one castle and apparently not doing much of anything. And so the showrunners gave Jane Poole's storyline, and Jane only enters the story later. So she's not in the show at all. And they give her storyline to Sansa. And there are objections to this because it meant that um, Sansa went through even more brutal things uh, you know, um, marital rape and torture by one of our least fair, favorite characters and this sort of thing. But Sansa and the show, show Sansa, is starting to get to do very interesting things with um, battling to take back the North, whereas book Sansa is apparently sitting around at the Vale. So, you know, for those of you who have read all of the books, which I have not, I should qualify that I've not, I read the first book and then I stopped after that because, um, the books didn't make me happy. Uh, you know, I do think that George is a masterful storyteller and I very much enjoy the characters he creates and I enjoy the tangled storylines and how things come together. But, um, <clears throat> <laughs> I come out depressed, and that's I don't read to be depressed. You know, some people feel like that's um, they're like, oh, but you know, you know, it's like now, nah. you know, I I actually do very few things in my life that make me unhappy. I don't find value in negative emotions. We have to deal with them. We have grief and anger over things that happen in our lives. I don't really need it to practice it in my fiction. So. In some ways, I would like to read the books because I would like to see how he weaves the story. But, yeah, too depressing. <laughs> I I just can't do it. So anyway, um, I have no investment in some of this stuff, you know, where people list out all of the, in the book, this, and the book, this, and the books, this. Um, and I feel like it's important that that you let go of that. When a story transitions to a different medium, it becomes a different story. And that's something that authors get asked a lot, you know, is like, well, if your book got made into a movie, you know, what kind of control would you want? Would you write the screenplay? And, you know, how would you feel about you know, what happened to X author when they did this with their show? And the thing is, is if you sell your books to be made into a series or a movie, you're just going to have to let it go. Because 
you've sold that story to someone else and they are going to make it into something different. Hi, Isabel. She, she was having her morning breakfast when I came and sat down in the uh, recording chair here. And I think she's a little dismayed that I took her chair. You can come up. Come here. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's just a thing of, um, it, that's why the trivia is distracting because it really doesn't illuminate anything for the story in the story for me at this point, because it's like, well, yeah, okay. In the books, this is what's going on, but that's really not all that does is make me think about stuff that's not going on in the show, if that makes sense. So I, I skim through those every once in a while. I see something interesting, but uh, overall, not that much. All right, is Belly. Hi. Oh, I'm going to pet purr for everyone. Oh, she's not often on my lap, but I guess now I'm lap substitute for being in her chair. She's a very sweet purr. Yeah. She is my blue smoke Maine Coon Cat. Such a pretty coat. And she has these little bits of fawn coloring like around her nose and eyes and a little tiny bit on her paws, which are otherwise white. Yeah. So we just got to the episode in Game of Thrones um, where we discover where Hodor's name and one word come from. <laughs> hey, don't. She's rubbing her whiskers on the microphone. No, 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 no we're not going to grab the microphone. This is why cats aren't allowed in recording studios. At least you didn't claw my lip open, right? That's right. <laughs> so now I'm holding the microphone away from her. Sorry if the volume has changed. I figured that was making some, like, serious brushing noises to have her rubbing her whiskers on you guys. Uh... So anyway, that's it's interesting that by season, what I say, season six is what I'm in. The middle of season six is when you finally discover uh, where Hodor gets his name and why he only says Hodor, uh, which is a masterful bit of storytelling. And I think that it's um, it's a particularly interesting because George R. R. Martin says that he is a gardener, uh, which is his. He talks about writing um, being a gardener versus being an architect, um, where an architect has all the blueprints ahead of time and the gardener plants the seeds and sees what grows. Um, and that's a much more useful metaphor to me than pantser versus plotter, um, which, as many of you know, I don't. I just don't care for at all. Uh, and actually didn't even know I existed as terminology until I went to my first RWA concert. Concert. Haha, <laughs> that's funny. More tea. Uh, went to my first RWA conference. And at that point, I had been a nonfiction writer for many years. I'd been in creative nonfiction. I'd written for magazines, all sorts of stuff like that. I'd been on Wyoming Arts Council. I'd been a on book festival panels, all this sort of thing. But in the more literary world, nobody talked about pantsing versus plotting. 
And I went to my first RWA conference. And I'm sure it wasn't exactly this way, but I remember it being like my very first conversation where somebody said, are you a pantser or a plotter? And I had no idea how to answer that question. Um, and the terminology comes from uh, that pantser is fly by the seat of their pants, which is not how it feels to me at all. To me, that is the perspective of people who like to have things very well plotted out ahead of time. So I... And I also resent the implication that pantsers somehow don't plot. So I, I usually say, I'll, I, actually, I almost always will say pre-plotter, people who pre-plot the book as opposed to people who don't. But I am much more of a gardener. And it's very interesting that, um, you know, for me, I would not have known where Hodor's name came from. And I wonder if... George did. But that's one thing about being a gardener is that you very much trust to the subconscious elements of storytelling. Uh, so it is, there is a lack of control because you are trusting to something that is not within your um, conscious conniving in a way. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of a better, I, I keep coming back to control. And I think that that's one reason why people who pre-plot are kind of aghast at the idea of people who don't, because it does require a certain faith, um, a leaping off and not knowing where the story is going to go and having a character who um, only says Hodor. So everybody calls him Hodor and then discovering several books later uh, where that comes from. And it is a, a delicate interweaving. And I suspect, and I don't know. I don't know if George knew that or not. I've never asked him. I should sometime. I've, I'm sure other people have asked him. That's one reason I hesitate to ask him any questions, because I feel like everything I could ask him other people already have, probably ad infinitum. Maybe this is how all readers feel, which is what I'm always telling you guys not to feel bad about asking me questions because I don't mind answering them again if I've heard them before, and most of the time I haven't. So, <clears throat> as you could tell, I'm a little froggy today. Uh, I did not feel good yesterday. I was really muzzy headed yesterday, and I probably showed on the podcast. I kind of did a short podcast. Cast on is a little vague. Um, I did not get that many words written, less than a thousand. Um, I'm still muddling around, circling around the same point in the book. So, which is how it goes sometimes. Um, a little bit less than 10,000 words to go at this point, though. So, I'll easily finish it next week. I just need to, I just need to find out what I'm circling around here, what I'm trying to do. So, oh, and then today's going to be cover reveal for Orchid Throne. I promised that it'll be um, a 24-hour exclusive on Frolic, so I won't put it up on any of my properties yet, but look out for the sharing and so forth, and then we will send out a newsletter and share widely on um, Sunday and Monday. I might put it, I'll put it up on SFF7 on Monday, or on Sunday, I mean, uh, when I do that blog post, how's that? And then uh, I think Corrine's going to send out a newsletter on Monday with it. So, exciting stuff. 
All right. I will uh, talk to you all on Monday. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, whatever you may be doing. It's supposed to be snowy here, so I'll probably be finishing my taxes. Huh? Yeah, exciting. All right. You all take care. Bye-bye. Oh, goodbye, Isabel.